Well, good morning, and thank you, Ms. Sarah Ald, for joining me. Thank you for having me on, Ed. I'm really excited for your podcast. Yeah, thank you for supporting it. Um, I'm, I'm excited to hear about your story. You're a, a serial entrepreneur, CEO of a business here locally, and, and have a lot of experience across different parts of what, what the health sector, right? Is that how you yes, would put that's it? Been, that's been my niche ever since just playing sports my whole life and then focusing on that a lot in college. And then once you graduate, sports are so much a part of you at that point. You just inherently follow kind of the fitness well, I did inherently followed, you know, the fitness world. And so it led me here. Yeah, that totally resonates with me because having been like an athlete and played so many sports, like perhaps even too many to where it was a detriment. I could have been better if I focused more. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I played in college. I played a little bit after college, but still like so much of the stuff that I follow and, and bring really like life wisdom out of is people who also are in health and fitness pursuits. Mm -hmm. And what sport were you playing in college? So I did track and field. I was on the Division One track and field team at Virginia Military Institute, and I was a javelin thrower. And I probably, it was the inflection point where I had come up in Wilmington as part of the Cape Fear Flyers, if you've ever heard of it. I have heard of them. And I learned really good technique in terms of throwing the javelin and, like, um, calling on, like, your hip and explosive sort of um, you know, movements. And then I just didn't like being five foot 10 and <laughs> having the wingspan of a five foot 10 person. It just, I reached the full potential with, with good form. Okay. So did that. And then two years in switched to rugby, which was the culmination of many years of soccer and then playing football in high school. Yeah. And it was just, oh. again, a perfect fit. And I, I loved it. I loved the culture of it and, and the sport. It's a really, it's a man's, man's sport. I mean, yeah. women play it too. Yeah, but definitely an aggressive, hustling sport. But I find yeah. too, it's like beautiful that it, uh, the, the community and the culture is so important in rugby, whereas it's not maybe quite as much a part of other sports. You know, it's like, we're going to, oh, we're going to do so much to like really oppose each other and and take each other down and and like win the game but after the game I'm going to come and I'm going to give you a hug and say that was so awesome when you just blindsided me and tackled me so hard yeah I think that there's a vast difference in the cultures of all the different sports right and it's really just how those athletes carry themselves so the way a baseball player just carries themselves mm -hmm. um, and how outgoing they are versus how introverted they are versus maybe how they even walk and move because of the physical habits they've built over so many years is very different than how, say, a soccer player carries themselves and how a hockey player carries himself, right? And it's also contingent, I think, a lot on how much you really have to talk in your sport, how team-oriented it really is versus how independent it is. All those things change the culture so dramatically. I totally so. agree. What do you think that, like, you've most leveraged from what you learned in your many years of sports leading up to when life got really serious with business? Yeah, so leadership is such a prominent, uh, important part, I think, of any sport. It's just being able to pick your team up when they're down, 
um, and also being able to be a person to lead them to right, a good thing or a win or a great practice. Um, and anybody has the opportunity to do that on a team at any time. And so inherently, athletes grow up to be leaders. And there's a lot of companies out there, I believe, who will only hire athletes because they look for people who have that you know, team camaraderie and leadership kind of DNA, mm-hmm. right? And they want the, that, that type of culture in their workplace. Um, so just going through sports and and having experienced, you know, leadership just in that way in general, even just never having been a captain on my college team, but even just being the older person right after four years. And then you've got all these younger freshmen who you want to leave a good impression on. That's a leadership role. Right. And so to have that and then take that into business is it's almost it's, it's kind of seamless. Right. You just continue using the practices you've always used throughout your life at work, just like you did when you were a kid. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. And I, I, like, I always think when, when I'm looking at hiring someone, I'm like a little bit curious about how much they played sports, what sports they played. Cause I think, Mm -hmm. you know, business gets tough, like, especially in sort of the early stage stuff that you've done and are doing. And like some of the energy industry work that I've done, you know, the season gets long or there's so many challenges and being able to dig deep, like that championship mentality is, is important. Yep. And that was actually, I I meant to add that too, is that challenge aspect. You get tackled. I mean, sometimes you get almost literally punched in the face. Hockey players are getting punched in the face, right? Like there are sports where it is so physical. It is so um, not debilitating, but you're just so beat down inside, but you can't quit. There's only minutes left in the game or, you know, your entire team is injured and there's one person who needs to carry weight for the next five minutes. And it's really give or take and you learn uh, give and take and you just learn how to be so gritty and so scrappy and it makes you tough as a person. Right. And so when those things come at work and they're mental, well, I've had my you know, ass kicked and just absolutely just flung into the dirt and dragged through mud. So why couldn't I deal with this problem on a piece of paper? Absolutely. You know, it's all about how long you're willing to push. Yeah. I, th- I think, you know, there's, there's a bunch of weird things that I would attribute or like the, the uh, key success factors and me being successful. And that's definitely one of them. Yeah. Oh yeah. Just, just being able to push through hard times. Yeah. Never given up is, a massive, probably, it's probably a bigger trait than leadership, yeah. but they're, they're right there together. Yeah, yeah, totally. And, and knowing how to have a good time with a group of people and while you're working hard and probably actually well, now that I think about it, the ability to like keep it light and fresh for everyone in terms of like workplace culture, as well as when to flip the switch and, and immediately get serious when the situation calls for it. Mm-hmm. Competition is um yeah it's a key ingredient to success is just being competitive and knowing and can you handle competition and how do you handle competition and how do you rise out of competition that is life period and you just learn it such a faster rate and so much more densely in sports right every single day for hours a day oh my gosh this is like the best thing that i ever did (laughs) so let's let's talk about upper health what what's your current project Yeah. So Upper is this online store, right? It's an online website. It is a place where people can find, um, find and purchase wellness services, products, information, resources. So we're creating immense, like big accessibility 
right, to all of those different services and products, that whole industry. Um, we're, we're also connecting them all so that they can finally start to work together. So it's, it's like a web platform. Is that fair? Yep, it's a web platform. And of course, we have people behind it, right? Like myself and my team, we've got a team of about eight now, uh, which is awesome. Nobody, I'm the full-time person. We have an amazingly dedicated group of folks who are part of it, want to see it succeed, work on it every single day. Um, and they're, and they're off time from their full-time jobs, which has really been so, so helpful. Um, family members who support it, right? But there's people behind the, the, the scenes who are there for our customers. So we never want people to think it's just a website either, right? Mm-hmm. You could call and immediately get a human being on the phone like myself or one of our team members to help. Yeah, like a um, sort of like a, a web call like this where you have a consult. Yeah, so we offer what we currently refer to as a concierge visit. Mm-hmm. And so if somebody does not know what they need, right? If you don't know what kind of service would even be effective for what you have going on, if you don't know, you know, where the best providers are maybe um, location-wise within your price point, who takes your insurance, who doesn't. There's so many questions to navigate when just trying to find a new daily routine or just a natural option for for a severe issue. Um, There's so much of that to do that you can have a concierge visit with Upper with one of our, we have nurse coaches, They're, they're licensed nurse coaches and registered nurses who will do a health assessment essentially a lifestyle overview, listen to you, listen to everything going on um, and using our marketplace. And, and we're about to open a program in 2023. I'll get to that in a minute where whether you use our marketplace or not, but of course we, we want people to use our network because we vetted those people very carefully. Um, we can help you find the right help that you need. That'd be the most effective. Yeah. So, so like, I guess where that uh, in my head sort of, makes me think is even someone who's like, you know, my age and, and comfortable with looking around the internet and has worked now for 15 years. So has a general understanding of the healthcare system. I feel like there's still so many things, whether it be resources or how co-pays and deductibles and, you know, for different plans fit together and affect Mm -hmm. ultimately you over the course of a year and how you spend and, and how you're looked after. Like that sounds yeah. like it's a great fit to bridge that gap when there's just so many unknowns. Yeah. And I've, I've got two good points. I think for that is that you could know it and you can become familiar with it, but it's also ever changing. Mm-hmm. Right. And so we as public just need to learn as new laws are passed or all of a sudden you're 26 and you're not on your parents' insurance anymore. Right. Now you've got to go find your own insurance or you're going to have a gap year or, there's, and then when you hit 65, right now you're on Medicare. Now, if you lose your job, do you end up on Medicaid? Do you end up going to the marketplace? Like insurance is its own beast all alone. Um, but then you've got right just wellness. We're really not even talking insurance necessarily, not even talking about your primary care doctor's appointment or, or dentist visit, right? We're talking like a gym and new ones open and some close and, and you've got this trainer, you've got this dietitian, and why would I use this person over this person? I mean, just even learning what your options are is ever changing, right? Maybe you have to travel, even if you're here in North Carolina today, but you've got a work trip, you know, in Pennsylvania next week, and you've got to exercise or else you're not going to be on for your meeting, right? You've got a routine that you need to maintain how are you going to do that when you get there do you have that planned do you know what's available around you 
right? How are you going to avoid, you know, McDonald's on the highway up, right? Like there's just so many things that can be navigated for you and planned for you. Um, we've started referring to Upper really as kind of a, a wellness management service, right? So that word concierge can confuse people sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not overly popular yet to use in, in any form of healthcare. It's getting there. Um, but think like a hotel concierge, right? You just walk up to that hotel desk, to the concierge desk. They can send you, you know, to this park or to this restaurant. They just have this kind of directory of all these things that they do um, and can tell and can can guide you. And that's really what concierge is. But at the end of the day, you know, you're managing someone's schedule and their activities and their direction. And so that's what we do. Um, yeah. So that seems that that seems like incredibly broad like there there's so many things and uh, and I applaud you that's that's I feel like it's such a good fit but when I think of it as like if it was my business idea I would feel like the scope is huge and it needs to be huge because there's so many areas where you can provide value for people that that I think there's either opportunity left on the table or they're you know not efficiently using funds or instead of like treatment and reactive they could pursue something to become more healthy overall. So it's well, and that's exactly the the problem we are solving, right? Is that you've got this huge industry and it has absolutely no process. Okay. So for example, um, imagine the entire planet without a single road or highway. There's no roads. They've never existed at all. Right. But there's places you can go, like there's buildings scattered all around the world. How are you getting there? How, yeah, like how buildings waiting to just provide value or exactly what you need, but the, the path there isn't clear. The path there is not clear at all. And it's also not clear when you go to one versus when you go to the other one, like which one comes first? Uh, you know, when do I turn this way or this way and why? And just how long would it take you to get anywhere? The answer is a very long time, right? And would you even know where you're going or would it just be a maze? It's essentially a maze. Uh, Now, we take that concept at Upper and we say, okay, so now pretend in our traditional American healthcare industry, right, there is no process. Mm -hmm. There's currently a process. We we refer to it as a sick care system, right? But there is a process. We've been trained as a society to say, okay, I'm sick, right? What is the first thing I should do? We go to our primary care, typically, Right. right? Like we're going to the doctor that's essentially the front door right and there's millions of them but there's this this general front door to the industry now once you get there they have the ability the software the tools to send you to refer you to a specialist right to order you drugs at the pharmacy you've got health insurance to help you pay for it you've got all these pieces and they're ordered in a very smooth process um, and, and it has infrastructure, right? It has direction. And so you're put on this treadmill in life to just go, go, go and follow this. Um, essentially, mindlessly, you're, you're directed, right? That process is very important. Unfortunately, it is operating in a way that gives us sick options, right? Like drugs that can keep people sick. Surgery, all of a sudden you need five more, right? It can do things to us that is not for everybody, um, or, or it's not the right time mm-hmm. for everybody for those things, right? It's just timing. Um, and so that whole process, the concept of highways 
roads and process, we're taking that. This is the really nitty gritty side, um, like the really in-depth part of what we do. So we're taking all of that and we're turning that concept into software, right? And we're taking that software and we're applying it to all of these wellness facilities, buildings, providers, services, products, information resources that already exist. They've just had no road between any of them. Yeah, and so it's been very hard for us to navigate, right? It's very broad. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yes. Giant scope. But yeah. immense value, like they can come for, for just us in terms of scalability, like everyone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, you're so let's say you're starting here, right? It, it, it can be for anybody, anybody who wants any of those things at any time. Now, there's a reason you're going to pay for it, right? Something's going to happen that's going to drive you to make a purchase. But but of course, anyone can go decide to improve their life any day. Mm-hmm. Right. You can always find some kind of wellness or one thing you could do 1% better every day. Okay. Let's say you start here on your journey right now. You're like Google searching and asking a bunch of friends who they go see. And you're like driving around visiting all these different gyms. And it's very all over the place, right? Here's your maze. Mm-hmm. All up does is say, okay, here's point, point A. And here are all the little buildings that you need to get. So you don't detour, right? We're going to fast track you across them. We know exactly what should come first and what should come next, who works with who, how they should, how they need to work together, right, for the future in a way that gives you a healthier environment and healthier options and just exposes you to more information. We're going to fast track you from here to here. We're not going to let you go, right? Now you can if you want to, mm-hmm. but want guidance and direction, we'll make it so easy. You don't even have to really think about it, right? You shouldn't have to. It's, there should be a process. Those people should already have been interlinked and they just haven't been for decades. Yeah. And uh, as I've seen how you've shared online, it seems that a lot of people who've had backgrounds in the field and maybe long careers even have gotten behind and and expressed their support and, and their interest in getting involved. So, I mean, I think that certainly indicates that that there's like an underserved area of this market mm-hmm. well who doesn't want options right to a degree like who doesn't want to know i mean i'm a person so personally speaking and i'll even share this story with you okay um so within the last about six months i've had two major health events both of which i needed our traditional American healthcare system for. Um, so the first time I had severe abdomen pain, like very, very bad abdomen pain, and it went on for days. Um, at one point, I like briefly jogged with my dog, and I actually had to immediately sit down for like five minutes. And I and I used to run, you know, up to ten miles at a time mm-hmm. sometimes and play soccer in college, right? So that's not good for me. That's not normal. And so I get inside. I'm like, okay, there's something going on. So I talk with my parents and of course, you know, they get all worried and they're like, you need to go somewhere now and they want me to go take care of it. And so instead of having made just a primary care appointment, right, the first day or two it went on, I let it get really bad and I end up at the urgent care, the medic. I just drive myself down the street. I'm like, hey, I've got this pain going on. I share it with them. They end up thinking I have a gallbladder stone, which is life-threatening. So of course I get sent to the emergency room now. Um, and it really only was exercise induced. Okay. And so I get to the emergency, I get to the emergency room and I'm just laying there on this, this gurney, this bed. And this doctor comes in and he says, okay, 
what is your pain right now on a scale of one to 10? And I said, sitting here, like just laying here, one. It's faint. I know it's there, right? But if I get up and run, it's going to totally cramp up and just take me out. Okay. And he said, and he said, okay, well, I said one, Ed, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm prescribing you Vicodin. Oh my goodness. And I was like, Vicodin, right? And these, they also have no idea what I do for a living, right? So they don't know my, um, you know, my hesitancy to take any, any medicine. I just, I won't take any. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, sir, I, I appreciate it, but I really don't need it. You know, I just want to figure out why. Yes, there's some major pain. crisis ongoing. Yeah, yeah. And thank God, you know, we found out a couple of days later, it really wasn't anything to worry about. I had a lung injury from running. Come oh my to find goodness. Out. Yeah, they thought I had a heart problem. I'm glad you're um, okay. But That's, yeah, thanks. That's I shocking, it. I was just though. Trying to figure it out. Yeah, well, so I said a one and I got prescribed Vicodin. Of course, I never picked it up. Now get this. On Thursday, I had to have a very, very minor outpatient shoulder surgery. I still have my little scar right here. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, it was, but it was minor. It uh-huh. was very minor. Just, just like an orthoscopic really- cleanup of something, like a minor injury? I just had to get a, um, I had a bump on my shoulder that, that they wanted to take out. So I had to oh, get okay. removed. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it's gross. So I like don't get into it. But, but it, it's gonna uh, be a cool <laughs> scar, you know. Okay. It, it'll probably scar. We'll see how that goes. But so I come out of the surgery. The surgery had to be maybe thirty minutes long to an hour, and I was under because I I'm a huge baby. Like pass out if I see any of that. So I was like, just take me out. Like put me out. I don't want to see it. So they did, and I wake up, and they say, okay, what is your pain? On a scale of zero to ten, and I said zero. It was zero. It still is zero. That does not hurt. Right. It has not hurt since. Never, at all. I say zero, and they immediately prescribe me Percocet. Oh my gosh. So in six months, right? I'm this perfectly healthy. I mean, I think I'm perfectly healthy, right? But I had a shoulder surgery. I'm. I have no diseases. I take no drugs. I have zero background medical history. I've had a perfect 29 years, never even had an injury, a real injury in my life from sports until actually for the first time this year, I was good for 29 years. Right. And this whole year, I used my whole insurance deductible. It's just been one year of these things. But within six months, I'm this totally healthy 29-year-old, very active girl, and I get prescribed Vicodin and Percocet back-to-back. Mm. I mean, that that right there takes so many people's livelihoods from them, for, sometimes forever. Yeah, no wonder there's right? an opioid epidemic. No, no wonder there's an opioid epidemic. Great. I mean, I could say zero or one and still get prescribed these painkillers. Yeah. That yeah, hooked forever. In any of those yeah. cases, did you push back on the doctor and say, look, I'd prefer not, you know, I said zero. Oh, yeah. Like, I'm not really clear on why you're doing this. Or, or you know, like, to be gentle to well, it, but still to be like, yeah. Just, wanted to, just wanted to cause some pause so you could think about this. Yeah, and I did. And in their defense, you know, their comment back was, you might wake up at two in the morning in terrible pain. And if you have nothing, that will be very bad. Right. right? And I'm sure that has happened to people mm-hmm. time and time over again. Um, having been an athlete, you know, and there's athletes that go through these things too. So I can't say anything in a general sense, but for me, 
you know, I was going to push through pain, right? If it happened at two in the morning, I was not, I was never going to have that crutch. It's just not for me. Right. Right. So, um, so in their defense, people absolutely wake up in the middle of the night, the next day, right. And they're not prepared and it becomes probably a really bad situation for that patient. Mm -hmm. Um, it just wasn't going to be me and they still prescribed it to me. Right. But that's where I have the choice to just never go pick it up. Well, and and so, so I, I just picked it up. I think your way of thinking is, is while, while it's like beautiful and, and admirable, it's like probably rare, you know, like there's so many right. people there's it's, it's like glamorized or whatever, like, Oh, take a Vicodin. He, he, he. And that, but I mean, really quickly, Ooh. like it could spiral out of control, you know? Mm-hmm. And a lot of that is just, you know, just really having, good influences, right? Show me your friends. I'll show you your future. That saying is pretty true. Luckily I was raised by two of the most amazing parents I've ever seen in your life, right? They did not support those things. They educated me to death on just life, mm-hmm. life, life, right? My academics always struggled. I was a C student my whole life. Um, but it, when it came to the streets and having a job, having three jobs at once, playing sports, giving it my all all the time and being a good judge of character, those things were a dinner conversation every single night. Yeah. You know, and that, yeah, I constantly. I think that's fantastic. Like, I well, find... that's, what, that's what made me never want to do that stuff, right? Just don't disappoint my parents. Don't don't put myself in a position to not, that I can't get out of it, which includes Vicodin Percocet. Yeah. Right? And I, I think maybe it gives you sort of like um, foresight or – or vision on what your potential is and you don't want to do anything that could potentially affect you from reaching that potential is the way I think Mm -hmm. about it too. And that, that's another thing that sports do for people, right? It gives you something to stay, you know, for lack of better words, I've never had personally had a drug problem, but just I'm going to use the word clean, right? It gives you a reason to stay clean in life. Mm -hmm. Okay. I want to be a game. I want to hang out with my team. I have friends there, right? I want to, I want to make varsity when I'm a freshman, right? Like it gives you aspirations, especially if you're like me and you're a really poor academic student, but you're good, you know, with your hands or outside in the world. Um, that's where I want to thrive. And there's, there's people who are good at ac- academics, right? And they want to get into the college class in, in 11th grade right? Or in 12th grade. And so that's their aspiration. That's still good, right? Just having something to look forward to will make you stay clean in so many ways. Yeah. That, uh, yeah, yeah, I I also like the school thing. Yeah. I just couldn't get excited about it. You know, I was so excited about sports and socializing Mm -hmm. and those sort of things, but work was as, as, you know, very, very similarly for me has always been something that I got into early and just like wanted to do so much and learn and develop and, you know, make money. Yeah. 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 And just, um, yeah, well make money is a great, yeah, I would say actually when I first started working, I was 12 years old. I was waking up at four in the morning. My mom would wake me up at four and she would drive me over to the next town, drop me off. And I would babysit for the whole day all the time for years. Um, but I was so excited that I would have the, even the potential to contribute at home in some way. I just watched my parents work so hard, right? And like you, it's funny, we, we talk about this now. I actually really, as an adult, have never had a goal to make money. Mm-hmm. But my 
but my want to work started with that when I was 12 because times were tough back then. I went through high school in the 2008 era um, and I just wanted to contribute. I didn't want the money for any selfish reason. I just wanted to make sure my family was always okay. Yeah. Right. And so now, now I'm just like, Oh God, I just want to, I just want to help people. You know, I want to help people never go through the things that I went through. And so you go, you get to a point where, you can support yourself and you can, you know, you have found ways to make money or do things. And now it's okay. Why am I making the money? Right. How am I helping people? What is this money used as a tool for? What am I doing with it? And so now that's where I am at a point in my life. So money is never uh, really the top of mind. It needs to be more. I, people get on me about it um, because it will drive you to be able to do a lot of things, right? A lot of good things. Uh, but I'm focused every day yeah. on just helping people. And I hope the money follows is kind of how I've been operating, but Oh yeah. yeah. Well, and, and the way I think about it too, is in terms of it being a resource. So I just want to accrue a, a sufficient amount of the resource such that I can redeploy it to do things I want or, or to put my kids in a good position and, and just, you know, I, yeah. I think about it more like that. Like it's less a measuring stick and, or it's not at all a measuring stick, but it's more of, um, you know, it's, it's a, tool. a tool that I want to accrue and resources I want to accrue. It is a tool. Yeah. And people's relationship with it um, is the end all be all of money. If you have a bad relationship with money, money will not help you. If you have a good relationship with money and you know how money can benefit, you know, you or the world, you'll know how to use it and it will benefit you. So how, how do you take um, your recent experience and, and what's, what's the... Um, What's the story? How does it tie to Upper? Like, where, what, how would that go differently? Where are you guys gonna, gonna change that for the positive? Okay. The story okay. with so the doctors. So, how does my story? Oh, my story with the doctors. Business. Well, there's a time and a place for everything, right? Like I said. Uh huh. Um, I think that you know, I I'm guilty of making the mistake of just being really into the way I live and even our messaging, and I've I've got to be a little bit more, um, you know, gentle with it where I. I love this, the new subject of description. There's a new wave of healthcare professionals. I had a friend the other day let me know, um, hey, I found a psychologist for myself and her niche and spe specialization is description. And she's working to get me off all of my psychological prescriptions. And I just thought that was amazing and fascinating, right? And that she's not the only one. There's definitely many of them out there and coming, especially with the epidemics going on, right? The, right. the opioid epidemic and those prescriptions. Um, but, but really what we're focused on is not, um, we're not, not saying there's not a place for those things. We're saying those things don't need to be the first line of healthcare, right? Yeah. Um, they don't need to be, or not even healthcare, right? I don't even want to necessarily medicalize wellness. Not everything needs to be medicalized, right? There, there should be clearly defined lines of what belongs in the classification of medicine and what is truly lifestyle. And so we just want to make sure that wellness and choices and options, right? Natural things are the first line. I'm going to use the word healthcare here just for the sake of it, but are the first line of your personal healthcare, yeah. right? When I have a headache, have I first done all of the things I need to do before I go take the you know, Advil, right? Have I drank enough water today? Did I sleep good last night? What does my diet look like? Am I over-caffeinated? Am I under-caffeinated because I have a caffeine addiction? There's so many reasons you have a headache. Um, 
instead of to run to the doctor and just have chronic headaches and get prescribed Vicodin or Percocet, which happens all the time, I'm sure, uh, just doesn't need to be that way. So we want to position Upper as the first line of health, of personal health, and still help people find what they need. You know, thereafter, there there does come a time where it is too late, right? Someone's already a type two diabetic and they need insulin or they will die. Right. Right. And you work on style while they're on this day to day life support, right? Yeah. Per se. I guess the way I'm. Uh, so I'm so think- we- Oh, sorry. You go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, the way like something you said uh, got my attention there about sort of like those more aggressive approaches. Now, in certain cases, they may have to be earlier in the in the line of defense. But, you know, let's let's pause and ask ourselves, like, should this be the last line of defense and and how it the reason it resonated in such a way is is because like we work in the in the energy industry. So there's a lot of discussion around safety and and culture of safety and doing appropriate walk downs and you know identifying hazards and so on so like the personal protective equipment you should you use is is really um evangelized to be that that should be the last line of defense like your safety glasses shouldn't be the main thing protecting you from an eye injury as example so like that that's why it resonated with me there I, i really like that yeah, well, and it's true. So internally, you know, on the team, we just talk about positioning ourselves, right? So we want to work and partner with major health systems, like big hospital systems, right? We want to partner with them because someday someone's going to call us and say, hey, I've got X, Y, Z, and we can ask them, you know, what they do for their regimen or whatnot. But we as upper ourselves, we are not doctors, we are software, Right. And we have nurse coaches who can kind of guide people and and just give navigation to resources. Um, But if someone calls me and says, hey, I broke my leg, what do I do? I'm going to tell them to go to the emergency room. Right. I'll go to jail if I don't tell them that. Right. If you're hurt, you need to go take care of it. Now, if you're asking me where should I join a new gym or where should I do this, I can list all the gyms for you. Right. Right? Like there is a time and a place for everything. So do you. So we we just talk about positioning front of medicine in the sense that if it can be avoided have you checked all of the things that you've done for yourself today and now how can you avoid getting this disease or being prescribed this or whatnot i think it fits really well too into a lot that's being discussed now with people making the assertion that over what the last i guess two or three years whatever at this point with the whole covid uh situation that there's so much okay. discussion around being reactive and, and there's zero discussion about overall uh, increasing your, your health. And it's so frustrating. And actually one of the really, I get really bothered by the COVID discussion. I think everybody does, but the only thing that bothers me about it. And when it comes to, you know, the vaccines and things like that, is that there was this massive national message that there is such thing that one size fits all. And that just drives me insane, Mm -hmm. right? There are people who have heart diseases to the extent that if they exercise, they will die. There are people, and, and that's where it's too late, right? Like it's at some point, or unfortunately people are born with things, like things happen, but nothing is for everybody. I 
have a fiance allergic to fruit and raw vegetables. Now he's meeting with a dietitian to fix all those things because a lot of those things are environmental and dietary already. But if I told somebody to eat vegetables and they're allergic to vegetables and they go into, you know, anaphylaxis, you can't tell me vegetables are for everybody. Yeah. Right. That's not an excuse not to eat them. You just, there's no such thing as one size fits all. I don't care if we're talking about wellness. I don't care if we're talking about vaccines. You cannot tell an entire population of humanity that they should take a vaccine that can kill people. Right. Yeah. Wow. That's, I mean, that's, that's incredible. That's, that's well, really great. It's just, life is situational. And if we really want to move into the future of both lifestyle, right, wellness and medicine for, you know, pharmaceutical chemistry, medicine, chemical medicine, it is precision medicine, which means precise DNA, timing, speed, right, rate, environment, where you are, temperatures, like precision medicine is situational to your being in the exact moment you are in time and on the planet and so many factors. And that is the future of healthcare where people actually get well themselves all the time. But the, the more we generalize for any reason, the further behind we will get. Do you think that the reason, I mean, there's a lot of contributing reasons, I guess it, we could have arrived at where we are at today. And um, is it one of those things like, 80% is good enough and 80% has to be like, like a general thing has to be close enough. We can't get any more precise at this level of scale. Is that why we well, arrived here? Yeah. You need things to scale, but I mean, I'm also a believer that nothing's impossible, right? So there's got to become a model to scale precision, anything, precision wellness or precision medicine, right? And I'm, I'm trying to separate them because I don't want, like I said earlier, I do not want to medicalize wellness. Right. Will bring the world many bad things that humanity does not want. Trust me, right? Yeah. Um, medicalizing things essentially eliminates them as a social problem, to some extent. Right. Right. When things, it, it tells you you don't have control over this when you do. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, being able to create a model, you know, I can't say I have that answer today or or might ever. You know, I might not be the person to develop that, but. But being able to scale precision anything, I hope I'm the person for that, right? Especially at Upper. But um, to be able to do that would be the best thing. Well, it's 80% will only help 80% of people. And are we okay with that? Right, right. Well, I guess it's that journey of a thousand miles starts with a single step. Yeah, I think you're doing a lot more than a single step. But yeah, that's. Uh, Thanks. The. um, The. So our, our business and our CEO has taken an interest in like health and wellness. And so they'll bring in, um, a CrossFit trainer from a, from a gym in Richmond and at lunch two or three days a week. Now I'm losing some of the details cause I no longer work at the HQ, but I was a part of the initial development, but he'll do things like bring in a nutritionist to talk and, and they'll do these workout sessions. And it's actually, gotten even more um buzz around the workplace than i originally anticipated you know and that's awesome really really cool and i i guess i could see sort of some partnerships with with organizations do you envision anything like that to to bring it into the workplace and make it a a like the part that it deserves within the workplace culture because i think that would potentially 
definitely assist. It's such a big part of people's lives, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So there's really, I mean, there's three main ways you can go to market, right? Which just means getting it to the consumer, Mm -hmm. which getting it to the public. You can go directly to the consumer, which means I sit here and I say, Ed, have you scheduled all your appointments for the year? Right. And if you tell me now and say, well, would you like me to do that for you? And I'm going to try to get you to sign up with me directly right here. Mm-hmm. Right. And then I could go to a doctor. Right. So that was D to C direct to consumer. Then we've got B to B to C. Right. Which is I go as a business through another business to get to their consumer. Okay. And so I could go to a doctor's office and say, Hey doc, can you take on 15 new patients? Here's what I need you to do. I need you to really be real with them and be on them about their lifestyle. Can you do that? Cause that's why they called us. I need you to not pill push them. I need you to do this, do that and do your thing. But can you take on 15 new patients if I send them to you? And he's like, yes. And I say, okay, when they come to you, if you, if you decide to recommend other wellness things, if you recommend acupuncture, if you recommend this, right, if you recommend massage therapy, that is all available to them on upper for ease if they need it. Right. And so I can go through that doctor to then get, you know, other additional services to that person that will continuously make them more well. Right. So I go through the doctors of business to get to even their own patients. Right. Hey, do you have any patients who need these services? They're available on our platform. Yeah. Right. And and then there's B2B where I as a business go to sell to another business. And that is typically going to be, you know, for us, employer benefits, wellness benefits. I'm going to say, hey how much would you like to budget per employee per month to spend on our entire marketplace? That person can get a gym. That person can go get cooking classes. That person can see a therapist, right? The list goes on and on, but you've got this broad ability to allow them to get whatever they want and need. You don't have to corner them all into one thing. And that would be our B2B corporate model. But yeah, we already have two corporate accounts. Oh, that's great. So, Yeah. Do you see that some insurance companies, because I feel like they're they're trying to, um, maybe they're not doing a great job, but they're bolting on pieces of this, you know? But ultimately, maybe they still have an agenda and, and whatever, but do you see, or, or am I, is that not connected? The insurance? Yeah. Yeah. Well, insurance is hard. Insurance pretty much runs the world, right? They mm. They run and own American healthcare. The same thing with pharmaceutical companies. They're so much bigger than them. Um, I, I, you like Joe Rogan, yeah. right? Did you listen to the podcast? I forget his name. He had somebody on who talked about just how monstrous the insurance industry is compared to the pharmaceutical oh, yeah. industry. Yeah, it was probably yeah. within the last two months and it was just scary. It was awesome. Yeah, it is scary. And he had, he had been in pharmaceutical sales and I think uh, maybe prosthetic sales, this, this individual. I forget, I forget all of his background. He owns his own business now, his own wellness company, um, but he was a pharmaceutical rep at one point. Or, right. No, you're right. He was a medical, he was a rep. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, but, so insurance is so big and so tough to navigate for anybody. I mean, I, I think even the people at work there probably struggle with it, right? <laughs> but it, they're not really, I, I'm not saying I love insurance, so don't take this this way, but they're not really incentivized. It is so unfortunate. They're really not incentivized to make us well because the average lifespan of a member, I think is only maybe two years, something around that mark. Yeah, yeah. And, the- and so why would they pay to get somebody well 
on their dollar when you're just going to leave and go to another plan that actually benefits from all the, the benefits you reaped. Right. Yeah. And so that that's not incentivizing to pay for your wellness. Now there is still plenty going on where insurance is starting to pay for gym memberships. Um, people with Medicare, there's, there's a, a handful of gyms that will take Medicare for people um, to have, you know, a discounted or free membership, Yeah. which is a great step in the right direction. Um, I think it's also dangerous that they could start controlling those things as well. We, I personally don't want that. Um, and I don't believe wellness and lifestyle should be covered by insurance. That's a personal responsibility of ours. Uh, but, but having a natural option as a treatment is a different story. Yeah, and that's yeah. where it should be, you know, a participant, a participating factor in our healthcare. Like if I want to go see a naturopathic doctor, why are naturopathic doctors only regulated in 26 states in the, in the U S jurisdictions? Mm-hmm. So that means in about 24 states, naturopathic doctors have no regulation, which means there's people pretending to be naturopathic doctors, which is a board certified medical physician. There's people pretending to be naturopathic doctors and nobody can vet the differences in their licenses. The the state can't. Right. And so so insurance will cover them because they don't know who's really a doctor and who's not. There's a lot of other things that go. Yeah, it is scary. And naturopathic doctors recommend and use and prescribe herbal supplements, right? And, and acupuncture, and they ask you about your lifestyle and they want to know what you're eating and they're trained on nutrition, but you're not, you really don't have a a trusted way to see them in so many areas of our country still. And that's blocked. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. It's, it's just as uh, daunting as I thought (laughs) the whole insurance side and navigating Mm -hmm. it and the way it all fits together and, harmonizes yeah they can play a piece by allowing naturopathic doctors to be part of a healthcare treatment option um i think it's interesting they're stepping into the gym membership world but um they they could get into it the right way whether they will or not you know we'll see i don't know i really don't yeah well what about some so moving to like the professional development side and and your career what are what are some awesome like life lessons and that you've had uh, like what's you what's your never, inspiration and what would you inspire other people with if you were just telling some of that side of the story Oh my gosh um Wow, that's so tough. And I feel like I change what I probably say all the time as I do podcasts, right, and go on shows. Right now, I mean, just talking about having a support system and having leadership, right, like having my team around me, having my own family around me. Uh, My fiance contributes, you know, more than people know. He's so intelligent and loves the subject as well. So we're at home talking about it constantly, and he's always giving me ideas. Um, He's like the non-team member who's so involved, honestly. But just having that kind of support, you can never have too many smart, loving, good example role models, right? Like you can never have too many people to um, to go to with questions. Like I'm going to lean on my fiance for you know sales advice and things like that. I'm going to lean on my investors for scaling and for um, you know expense advice and things like that, or even just business model. And I'm going to lean on my team to help me execute and get things done. And you just you need people around you. Um, and we live in a world I think where people are ever kind of going into a shell, 
right? And you need to put yourself out there and you need to shoot your shot. You need to ask people for help. Um, you need to just be willing to ask. There's this big conversation in the entrepreneur world that so many entrepreneurs are just lucky, right? Or, or luck is 1% or something, right? And, and sure, that can be true to a point. You know, I'm happy I was born into a country where business is an opportunity and we live in a modern life mm-hmm. that I can do these things, right? Everything's relative though. I mean, you create luck by surveying your environment at all times. I've never been on an airplane and not said hi to the person sitting next to me. It's never happened and it's never going to, and likely talk to them for five minutes to the next two hours. <laughs> yeah. I, know, know? I know what that means. Yeah. And a lot of people, and only of course, if it's, if they even seem like they want to talk or it's appropriate or we have, you know, or we vibe. Right. Right. But, um, but just being open. I mean, I don't walk around the world with my headphones in, Yeah, you know, and that's where opportunity lives. Opportunity lives by putting yourself out there, serving your environment, leaning on people and understanding, you know, what you can accomplish with that. Right. But if you live in a shell, or you never put yourself out there yet, you're probably going to think that everyone else just lucky. Well, no, I just never shut up. Right. <laughs> like I, I just, I just never stop looking and trying so hard to learn. Yeah. And I'm definitely a proponent of feeling like I can learn something from anybody. A smart person can. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because you know that there's something to be learned period. Absolutely. And I, I think like even if someone provides an idea or, uh, or an assertion, you know, even if it's not the right idea, at least, to, you know, if I take it seriously, it, it will cause me to pause and reevaluate and perhaps it spins me in a different direction. But what, yeah. what, um, so in order to surround yourself with these, these people, I also feel like perhaps you you will have to um to give as well and and what do you do to get involved and mentor other people and and things like that or is is that true do you even have time for that oh of course yeah i make time for it um so i would say putting yourself in a position in a leadership role whether it's at work right or you go for the captain role on your team if you put yourself in any position to be learned from, you have a big job, right? Like you have a job to be this trusted resource for everyone else to come to. So while I'm going out and asking everyone questions, I'm tapping on their door, you know, within the same hour, asking them how they're doing. Mm -hmm. Are you okay? Right? How can I, you know, make sure that you get what you need in X, Y, Z. And as, you know, as a person with a team around me, leadership is not about, pointing right and telling not at all it is about what do these people around me have to offer the world that's the those are the questions i'm asking you know who are you what do you do what do you have and then you as the leader right or or so you want to be the leader it becomes your job to pronounce that for them right how can i bring out the best in that person what do they want to achieve how can i relate it to what i'm doing Right. So I know how to help them pronounce it because that's what I know. I know what I do. And so I'll know in my work how to elevate them. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Like and their dream. And, 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 and that's it's a different look, like a different set of eyeballs with, with a different background. And, and it's almost like, too, you should encourage yeah. them to, to survey 
other people from different backgrounds on 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 it as well. Yeah, I told one of my teammates early on um, when she was first deciding to come on to the company, she was so excited about it. And we were talking about just being more outgoing and she was working on it. And I said to her, she loved this. And she wrote it back to me later on after she's like, I'll never forget you said this. Um, I told her her success is on the other side of hello. Yeah. So it, just get out there. Is, yeah, it's just there waiting for you, you know. And I think that that really empowered her because she remembered it and she uses it on me all the time. Uh, which is hilarious, right? And so that to me, the fact that she comes back to me with it, I know that I did my job in in that one line that day, right? When people use what you give them or or they feel like they can come to you to learn these things, if you can't um, if you can't grow them as a person, then you're not doing your job. But when you grow them as a person, you've done your job, and that is mentorship. Yeah. Yeah. Well put. And, and I imagine along the way, like you've had some failures, some struggles, you've, you've started new things. So like what, yeah, what, um, like how, how is, what's the process like for you on that? And like, how have you overcome those hurdles? Team. Absolutely. Team. It always comes back to who you have around you, you know, Um, I actually had something kind of blow up in my face last year. And to me, it was a blow up. I was so upset about it. I couldn't really work well for about two weeks. I would just constantly cry. I couldn't believe it happened. Um, we had a program we spent a whole year developing and we had to close the whole thing. It was crazy. Mm. Yeah, it was wild. And so we really thought that we were going to be able to do this and we were doing it right. And we were helping so many people. And then we come to find out there's these little, there's red tape around it and we can't do it this way. And we didn't have the money to do it the other way. So we just stopped doing it. Um, but that was really painful. That was my first true failure. It was only like true failure where money was lost. People were, um, let down. Nobody was hurt, but people were let down. They thought they had a solution to their problem and all of a sudden they didn't again. And you never want that as an entrepreneur. Right. right. Um, and my team called me and texted me constantly and they were like, you cannot let this get you down. You've got to come back from this. This is a stepping stone. This is a learning curve. How can you apply this to the next thing? And I mean, I can look in the mirror too and think those things. And not for enough time, I would have, thankfully, from just growing up in sports and having to do that anyway. But I still have my team, right? And I know I need a good team because as much as I need to support them and what they want to do, I need people who can also support me. You know, and there's nothing selfish about having to do that as advice to whoever listens to this, uh, to your audience. But there's there's nothing selfish about making sure you're able to help them. My ability to help them is also, you know, just people having confidence in me. Are you going to be there when it gets hard? Because it's going to get hard. (laughs) And would you also say that is, is perhaps your biggest hurdle or biggest well, you, you know, failure, was it also the most rich experience in terms of learning or? Yeah, it was very rich in learning. Yeah, I would never do some of the things I did ever again. So without oh. having that biggest painful experience, you wouldn't have like the biggest source of, of knowledge as well from a single event. Is that fair? Yes, that is fair. And, and everything happens for a reason, right? And when 
when you're in the moment, it's really painful, but you've got to remember everything happens for a reason. The program, the program that we're developing now, um, and, and we have full clearance, we have spent money on developing it. I mean, we have spent money on our attorneys. Like we, we know that we can do this, um, is so much more scalable. It's almost like now looking back, I can't believe we were trying to do that. This is what we're supposed to do. This is at my other company. Yeah. But, yeah. And I won't get into the nitty. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, it, everything happens for a reason. And once you're out of the weeds, you can really look back and recognize that. Well, that's beautiful. And, uh, and I know we're short on time, but I want to circle back to what you said you released it in 2023. And we'll end it on an exciting note. So we are launching our pre-sales for our membership program in 2023. We're going to offer two different memberships. Um, they will range from $25 to $65 a month or will allow an annual fee for savings. But so what those memberships do is um, they create 24 hour response rate. So if you are a paying member of our company, you are going to have a solution in your inbox within 24 hours. We get a lot of inquiries. So that is, you are now absolute priority in your needs. Yeah. Um, beyond that, we also, if you need to know if something's covered by your insurance or not, you want to go do something or you need an appointment, we will handle all that for you. We will find out what's covered and what's not, what's in network and what's not. Um, beyond that, we will also handle all of your membership signups, all of your appointment bookings and all cancellations. So we get authorization from the client to act on their behalf, to sign their membership documents, to book their appointments, um, and to even handle the payment process for them. Oh, wow. Yep. That's and lovely. so we're, yeah, we're developing our way right now as we go into pre-sales here um, to actually be able to pay for everyone's care upfront for them where the provider just charges upper right away and then upper will turn around and charge the client. But now the client has one payment has one uh, company that all of their health and wellness payments run through forever and ever, right? Oh, that's fantastic. And then the last feature, so there's two memberships. That was the first one. The second one is all of that. Plus you get 30 minutes of call time every month with our nurses. If you need personalized recommendations or a really special navigation, that'll be on there. Wow. That's, that's great. <laughs> I mean, serving Thanks. so many big, big needs, and it's it's been really cool to talk to you and to uh, get to know better about your projects. You want to, um, where can people find you on social media? Where can they find Upper? Yeah, so the website is upper.health, and bear with us, we're still building it. We do a lot of the, we do a lot of what we do manually right now, so people need help. You know, our marketplace is really a tool that we use to help you with, um, but it's, it's getting there from the from the public user experience side. We've got to build that out a little bit more still. Um, but so upper.health social media, uh, you could go to just upper health on Instagram. We're, we're going to be more active here on Instagram in 2023 with some social influencers and, and these memberships coming out and some other things that we're doing. Uh, but everything's been kind of quiet as we've been building for the first year. So feel free to follow us there and uh, reach out anytime. Um, you can find our emails and whatnot on the website and we will get back with you and we look forward to hearing from people. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time. Thanks, Ed. I appreciate you having me on.